All right, Chaz, David Lee, how's it going, guys? Uh, it's your buddy Bruce from Austin, Texas. I just want to say I just listened to the last episode of The Grit, and um, I got to say, it was definitely one of my favorite Barrel and Nas ever. Because the last Barrel and Nas of last week's episode was the term half-assed. And let me tell you something about the term half-assed. I believe it is essential to do things half-assed. And let me give you an example that you all know. When I wrote that song for you, Chaz, about your book, uh, Blessed Are the Bank Robbers, dude, I wrote that song in about 25 minutes. I called my producer buddy, Hoagie, and I said, Hoagie, man, uh, I got this song. You got any time for me? He said, I got about four hours. And I was like, all right. I'm like, screw it. Let's do it. Um, man, we knocked out that song. In four hours, we laid down the guitar, we laid down the bass, the drums, everything real fast. And uh, I'm telling you, when you when you do a professional studio recording, it usually takes about four days, not four hours. And uh, that song came out pretty good, man. I was happy with it, but it was totally half-assed. Uh, everything about it was half-assed. And uh, I just think, you know, if, if I didn't do that song half-assed, I would have been nitpicking everything. And, and I would have been second-guessing all these things, and, and where where I think it relates to surfing is when you're up on a wave, surf the waves half-assed. Just do whatever you feel like doing, man. Don't overthink anything, because uh, when you do things full-ass, like we, we, you all coin, it's just not, it, it doesn't work. So, anyway, I just want to say, keep the Grit Podcast half-assed. Y'all seem to do that anyway. We love it for the rest of eternity while the Grip Podcast, while you all go into your elder years, just keep it half-assed. And I encourage the listeners to say, rather than just uh, keeping up the work, keep up that half-assed work. All right? <laughs> all right. Cheers, boys. That's so true. Half-assed is the best-ass. I mean, let's just all be honest. Well, it's easier. It's what we actually want to do. But yeah. I agree with him. <laughs> I agree with him, though. Totally, you're going to overthink it. He would have over-edited, he would have rewritten, and he would have wasted a ton of time, and it would have been a lesser version. Totally. I mean, I think you have a couple masterpieces in your life. Mm. Uh, 99% of what you do is not a masterpiece. So just half-ass all of it, except get the smell for that thing that might be a masterpiece and really full-ass that. But otherwise, half-ass. See, I would argue that the masterpieces are half-assed. Like those are the ones that come out of pure inspiration and they just happen. Like Blessed Are the Bank Robbers, the song. That's so true. That is so true that it's all half-assed. So don't lean into anything. Just Agreed. Sort, sort of semi-shove. When it gets hard, give up. Are, they, <laughs> are the articles on Beach Grit half-assed? Every last one of them. Dude, there was 24 articles since our last podcast. Wow, man, I've been keeping up a clip. That's a that might be the most productive week ever. Yeah, I've been trying to do yeah, no, it's not. When I'm really on my A game, then I'm three a day. Which what is that? That is twenty-one. Twenty-one, yeah. For me alone. And then with another two a day, probably from Derek. So our maximum output and then probably another from somebody else. Our maximum output is probably like uh What's 14 plus 21? 28, 38. <laughs> There's like 40 is probably our maximum output. 
Nope, all that math was incorrect. You have to ask math too. That's the other thing. Um, well, how's it going? I never see you drinking a beverage. I, I mean, know. This is the first ever. time. Not even, never water, never coffee. Apparently you drink athletic greens, but I haven't seen it. I do. I drink athletic. I just finished my athletic greens uh, and was running a little late this morning. So I had to bring my coffee to the studio. Nice. I was out late last night. I guess it wasn't even that late, but out at a show last night. When was the last time you were at a show? Depends. Is it comedy? Is it music? A music show. Uh, never. It's been very, probably pre-COVID. Mm. I went to a, the strangest show. It wasn't strangest, I suppose, but an, uh, a genre of music that I was unaware. What is it? Well, went to see uh, Trouble Andrew play. You heard of Trouble Andrew? I have. Gucci Ghost? Yeah. So that guy is a prolific artist. Uh, I just thought he was a like a visual artist. Uh, but so apparently he has a band too. So I went to see Trouble Andrew play, which was great. Uh, and he was the opener, the mid act for a band called Prayers, which I'll be curious if any of our listeners know Prayers. I and mean, I didn't know what Prayers was going to be uh, based on the crowd. Like Trouble Andrew kind of plays a... I don't know, Depeche Modi kind of new wave, but like a little with a little darker undertone to it. So, you know, just music. Uh, from the crowd, I thought that prayers might be like suicidal tendencies or something like that. Uh, but nope, it's uh, from what I could tell, like satanic Mexican rap. Wow. I didn't yeah. know that was a thing. I didn't either. There was like two dudes, big muscly dudes, shirtless on stage holding like scimitars at both ends of the stage and then prayer, whoever the artist is uh, just rapping in between them with like pentagrams and stuff being flashed behind him. Was it good? No, not, not to my taste, but the, the crowd seemed enthusiastic. <laughs> I mean, the band's name is a little misleading, I guess, unless they're praying to Satan. Yeah, it could be, it could be. I don't know how satanic it was. It just had a very, it had like a satanic vibe circa, I don't know when satanic music was a thing. Um, I, I know satanic panic was a thing in the 80s, yeah. like a media thing. So maybe that was related. I, yeah. The thing I don't understand about Satanists is um, I don't think they're actually worshiping Satan, right? No. They're just kind of anti so. I, I guess I need to look into it. Are they just anti-God? Have you? Well, I mean, I think there's different. Uh, have you ever read the Satanic Bible? No. By Anton LaVey? I've read the Satanic Bible. Uh, the Satanic Bible is basically just a worship yourself thing. It's like, okay. a, you are God. You do you. Please yourself in every way. Like, it's, it was fairly silly. It was just like re uh, rewrote the Beatitudes and stuff. Uh, except just did it opposite. It was like, blessed are the warmongers or blessed are those right. who get what they want or whatever. Uh, silly stuff. But, and then I think though, there is like occult Satanism where then I think then you maybe worship Satan. Yeah. I think that, I don't know where, but documentary I was watching at some point or something was like Satanists or modern Satanists get angry at being labeled as worshiping Satan because yeah. that's not what they do because yeah. the people who are worshiping Satan are sacrificing children or animals in order to please the dark Lord, you know, whereas just a modern Satanist is more what you're saying. Yeah. I think it's all just about the self. It is like, 
the worship of the ego. Have you, there's a documentary series on HBO right now called The Anarchists. Are you, are you watching this? No, but real quick, before I forget, guess what I just watched? What? Val, it's epic. Oh, it's so good, right? It is so good. Watch the entire thing. It is an epic, I don't know why it took me so long, but I'm uh, apparently I just half-assed my way into it, but it is epic. What did, um, what did you like about it or what were your thoughts on it? I just uh, really liked like the, he made a, he made a real, he made a real masterpiece. He half-assed a masterpiece once he lost his voice. Uh, just the structure of it. Like it wasn't just a documentary, right? His story of telling stories or of acting his story of this art and the way he approached it and what it meant to him and what it did to his life and all of it was epic. And just then the amount of footage he had, like the fact that he had yeah. filmed everything from the minute camcorders came out. So kind of seeing behind the scenes at Top Gun and at Tombstone yeah. and at all these movies that you kind of, you know, whatever, like, like just that, the way, I don't know, it, it made kind of, people talk about acting like a craft, right? Uh, and it made it, it was for the first time you kind of see how it is a craft for me. Well, I liked it as well. And I liked it for a lot of those reasons. I liked that it was a real peek into his psyche um, because he shot a lot of that footage and it kind of documented not only his life, but the way that he thinks. Yeah. But, but I don't know if you remember what I said about it at the time when I first watched it, that was the most revealing to me and something that I hadn't considered about him before is he views himself as a artist and like this high level actor. He's in the same class as the yeah. greats, yep. but he's not, he's not that good of an actor. And I think that all of Hollywood or important people that he wanted to work with in Hollywood identified that he wasn't a great actor. And he was always uh, upset that he wasn't getting the call from Kubrick or Scorsese. But when you look at, you and I love him because of Tombstone, but when you look at his roles, Tombstone, Jim Morrison in the Doors, those are caricatures. Yeah. They're so, he's so overacting in those roles that it becomes memorable and he did great at that thing. But, you know, Marlon Brando or Meryl Streep or whoever, it's all about subtlety and nuance. And so Scorsese never wanted to work with him because he knew that Val was a caricature. And I think that Val never identified that and still doesn't. He still thinks he's one of the greats who just never got the role that he deserved. But watching the documentary, it became apparent to me that he's just being, he's identified his own kind of, he's typecast himself in Hollywood as this guy who just plays these outlandish characters and thinks that he's great enough to do something better, but he's not. I mean, the, the, like him going to Juilliard, I thought was interesting, right? But like anytime you watch a stage production, I mean, how often do you go to theater and watch like stay, any kind of stage production? I don't, I'm not into it. Yeah, like uh, I go rarely, but the, you have to overact, right? Like to, yeah. you're, supposed to you're supposed to reach the person at the back of the room and you can't like subtle acting on stage doesn't translate you have to be this big da, da, da. So that's what it feels like to me is he brought Juilliard to the screen where everything yeah. is, is, is thespianism. Uh, and that's what he is. And he could never stop doing that. But his, his 
Mark Twain show, whatever looked epic. The I agree. Movie. That yeah. looked like his great life's work. Yeah. But yeah. But then also not to keep going on about Val, but the uh, <coughs> him sharing like the depression of having to sign autographs now to make a living. Like that he, he was an like iconic actor in some of the most iconic movies of the 80s and 90s and 2000s, I suppose. Uh, and now he's at Comic-Con signing Batman posters. Crazy town. Yeah. Well, there that we uh, takes no, us... Anyway, to... the anarchist. I saw the, I saw the uh, preview and I'm going to watch that too. Yeah, it's really interesting. I just started it last night. But talking about how Satanists are, are yeah. uh, misunderstood, this movement of anarchists who end up all kind of gravitating down to Acapulco, Mexico. Yeah. Um, you know, they're taking the Greek definition of anarchy, which is without law, essentially, but they're not trying to overthrow government. They're not trying to like burn down buildings or anything like that. They just prefer to live without law. Um, but things quickly go awry <laughs> in their right. in their ideal society as well. It's really interesting. The, the preview really sold that thing well. Yeah. Um, so speaking of documentary, this is kind of tangential, but it, I, was, I thought of it because of an article that Derek wrote on Beach Grit, the article where uh, Kelly Slater, with that girl was yeah. on a podcast recently and talks about sleeping with Kelly Slater. Yeah. Um, I'll tell that story too, but I was interviewing, do you know who Greg McGillivray is? Yeah. Classic. No, do I, uh, no, no, Matthew McGillivray. No, Greg McGillivray is from Laguna Beach. He's a, he made five summer stories 50 years ago. Okay. So Great. he's a surf, surf filmmaker from Laguna, born in the 40s, but then went on to work in Hollywood for the last 40 years or 30 years. And he filmed, uh, he worked on The Shining. He's done tons of IMAX stuff. He's been nominated for Academy Awards, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, I was interviewing him for Surf Splendor and um, he was just, Dick Metz is this way too, where he recalls dates and names with this astounding, I presume, accuracy. You know, I'll be like asking him a story from the 60s and he's like, oh yeah, my friend, blah, blah, blah. And he names the guy's name. And that was June 27th of 1972. And you're just like, what? <laughs> How is it? Are, is it just that old guys are smarter than we are? They probably are. They probably didn't. I mean, it's like, they didn't fry their brains with iPhones and stuff. Their brains actually have to be it. We just stick every like thing that we need in our dumb phone and then half-ass the rest of it. Our brains are just like wandering, traipsing through the lilies, doing absolutely nothing with zero recall. That's a great, that's got to be it. Because yeah. I'm like, we're, are drugs more pervasive in our, our culture? Maybe. You know, and maybe that's addled everybody's brains or alcohol or something, but I think it's more what you're talking about. Um, I'm actually, that, that dude probably had a Rolodex, right? Where he would have to, yes. so not only are you like remembering things, you're writing them down and then you're reading them back. Like you're doing yeah. all the things that you're supposed to do for a memory. Full ass. He's going whole yeah. ass. Yeah. Whole ass on all of it. Um, I'm jealous of him. Like it, part of me is, I think he's name dropping, except I don't know any of the names. You know what I mean? <laughs> like if he says Flippy Hoffman, I'm like, oh, I got that one. I know. Yeah, that yeah. But then he names five other pro surfers from that era or important people from that era. And I'm just like, 
it's not even name dropping. It's like no name dropping. You know? <laughs> um, the other, so then the reason why that reminded me of Kelly Slater was that girl's story. So the unnamed middle-aged woman on a podcast uh, was saying that Kelly Slater got her number in, in a bar uh, near Bell's 20 years ago, or like in the mid nineties. And he committed it to memory. He heard her n- number, remembered it. What, what the detail here in the story is, she was saying her number to somebody else. He overheard it, remembered her phone number. And then later oh. that night texted her. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, first of all, we could talk about the creepy part of hearing somebody's number. <laughs> But the fact that he could even remember her number yeah. blows my mind. I don't know Lauren's number. I don't know your number. You know, like I bet I bet Kelly is one of those people, um, aside from social media, who's not on his phone very much. Except that he's on social media all the time. So that would indicate he's on his phone all the time. That is true. Because you don't just go on to your phone and do social media and then put it down. No, and but he came from the era before phones, and so his brain is kind of fortified. Still works. Yeah. His, his brain still works. I mean, getting Kelly in the boot too, it's the same kind of old man thing where his recall of at least his Completely. own and waves and events and it's fairly endless. Oh, 1996 when I surfed the bloody blah Chiba Japan, bloody bloody blah, blah, blah. It's so true. And he's done, he's surfed so many heats that yeah. you would think it would It'd all just blur. blend together, but th- yeah. it's not his because he'll recall heats from his youth, from childhood, yeah. you know, NSSA competitions or ESA competitions. And he knows the exact heat score, who beat him, how they, what the waves are doing that day. It's really remarkable. I really would, want to get a Rolodex and start training. Would you though, let's be honest, would you rather have your mind just the vast emptiness that it is or chock full of heats in crappy beach break against Shane Beshin? Like, I'll, I'll take I'll take an empty brain over cataloged like thirty years of catalog. Like imagine how many good events Kelly Slater has surfed in his whole career. There's probably what? What would you say? Like good waves, pumping pumping waves, surfing well. A hundred, two hundred, easily. No. Yeah. I bet, Kelly, I bet Kelly has surfed twenty good events. Imagine from from a dude. I can name twenty off the top of my head. I can name twenty pipe masters that he surfed good waves in. Mm, He's been on tour thirty years. I know, but imagine what percentage of that was like uh, Huntington, and like he's like the Dream Tour. What? When did the Dream Tour start? In the mid to late nineties. Yeah, ninety-seven. I want to say. Okay. Ninety something. So (laughs) he had. What? I'm going to say 20 years of dream. Oh, that's kind of a lot. 20 years. Well, of let's, let's say he surfed 30 years. There's uh, 10 events on tour, give or take. So that's 200 events. So how many of those events were good? 30%. You think 30%? Well, let's look at this year. I suppose we have <laughs> J-Bay is good, was good, and Pipeline was good. That's it, right? Yeah. So two out of how many events have we had? Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> We're half-assing this as well. Um, well, whatever the case, 
his ability for recall, what would I take? His ability for recall or my vast no, 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 I'm, I'm saying though, but but his ability for recall though, it has to be that specifically. Like your brain is full of right. completely useless garbage. Okay, so I would, I envy, I kind of think he's a smarter, well, he is a smarter person. I think he's a better person in a lot of ways. I think I've elected to not remember those things because I'm always kind of rushing ahead and I think they're unimportant. But I don't know, I think he might be better than me. I think he's sad okay, than me. What if you could remember, recall, like pinpoint every single podcast you've done, the guest, what the guest talked about. Uh, It'd be amazing. How long, how long the podcast went. Like the I don't remember time. any of it. Yeah. <laughs> we got a text. No, I don't think I'd be happier or sadder. I would just be, you know, you know what it is there's that thin line between genius and insanity. Yeah. If you actually remember all of it, you're on the brink of insanity. Yeah. Like your, your brain, you're not, you're not supposed to actually remember all that information. We, you and I just have eternal sunshine right now. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, we get a, I don't know. I feel like we both got the text message. Maybe it was just me from Kevin Miller, like two or three weeks ago, Florida surf film festivals, Kevin Miller. And it didn't, he was referencing something that you and I had discussed in the podcast the day prior. Yeah. So we published it the next day he listens to it and you and I had some quandary on air and he was giving us the answer to the quandary. It was, so about, he's, it was about Gattaca. Right, Gattaca, the film. And uh, so he sent, he gave us the answer. I had no idea what he was talking about. I just I thought he was like recommending a film. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, I like that film too. It's a good film. <laughs> And then he replied back was like, oh, in case it wasn't obvious, I was answering what you guys were talking about on air. I'm like, no, it wasn't. Even though that was 24 hours ago, it was not obvious because it goes in, out of my mouth, into the ether and gone forever. Like, I don't remember anything. That's pretty funny. Yeah, when he, when he wrote Gattaca too, I was like, yeah, cool. Like, uh, are you in a hotel watching Gattaca or <laughs> watch Gattaca on an airplane? Like, yeah, I like that. Good movie. I mean, I, I did think like, oh, we were talking about movies. So maybe he just chimed in with a movie that he recommends. <laughs> I don't know. But it, I mean, literally, if I'm filling freaking four hours a week of podcast time, like I'm not going to remember any of it, you know? Oh, man. Anyway, anyways, Greg McGillivray, better human than me, better kind of, uh, you know, smarter brain better brain than me and i and i think kelly slater as well um but real quickly that story because it's <coughs> worth worth recapping real quick um this girl said well derek wrote an australian woman of roughly middle age called in and described meeting kelly at a bar restaurant near bells 20 years ago and he memorized her telephone number after hearing her tell it to somebody else leading to a long-term and mostly platonic friendship so she goes on to say that in the middle of the day like they were texting back and forth for a while she didn't want to hook up with him for whatever reason but her friends encouraged her to hook up with him because they were like look maybe this doesn't you guys don't get married whatever when you're old you're going to want the story of the time that you hooked up with kelly slater this guy is an important human being you know so she says Mid middle of the day on a saturday we finally did it Afterwards, we were both in the shower and all I could think of was, whoa, I have to call my best friend. I, 
I literally just got out of the shower, wasn't even dressed. And I messaged these exact words to my friend, did it, had sex, going to leave now, except I mistakenly sent the message to Slater, not my friend. So Slater had the message on his phone. The funny part or interesting part I thought about this whole story was Kelly's reaction of being sad and their friendship fizzled after that, right? Where it made me think in this scenario, you would typically think of Kelly as the user, right? Like he's the the guy with power who is using his status and whatever just to go chew through women, right? Which is probably typically the case where, you know, the person with status is just chewing through people. Uh, In this case though, it seemed like Kelly became sad when he thought or realized it's just another one, man. Another girl just using me for my fame. She doesn't really like me. She doesn't care to get to know me better. Like that's the, that, that is the sense that I had from the story of Kelly receiving. Cause yeah, again, the text went to Kelly and typically you'd think, okay, great. Right. Like who cares? Like, it's not, it's not like she was dishing gossip on Kelly's private parts or anything. Right. Exactly. It was, it was yeah, a yeah, simple yeah. statement, but it seemed like it hurt Kelly's feelings. This makes me like Kelly more. Yeah. It seems like Kelly was just like, man, you don't know how many girls just, I think I'm falling in love and come to find out they're just with me because I'm Kelly Slayer, not because of me, but because of my name. Exactly. Yeah. Well, so I think society has had it wrong actually for a long time. The way that you set up that story where he's the, he's using her chewing through women that you're right. That is the stereotype. And it's embedded in that is also that women want love, uh, you know, a long-term loving relationship out of this exchange. And so if you give them anything else, they are going to feel short-sighted. I don't know if women are changing or if society had it wrong all along, but nowadays I see women being more, um, I don't know, crass about sex, more, desiring of just like, God, look at that guy's abs. I would love to bang him and stuff like that. And it's not just on reality TV or whatever. It's conversations with women in my peer group who are, you know, uh, very hyper-sexualized and not associating it with looking for having children with this person. Do you, of, of people, you know, men and women, uh, do you have more heartbroken women friends or heartbroken male friends? I'd say it's 50-50. Yeah. Yeah. New times. It's interesting. It's, I mean, it is a modern, maybe it is a reflection of modern times, but even when you look back at like the 50s with the, you know, the house repressed housewives or whatever, they were still, it was repressed. They had those exact same desires. It was just society wasn't allowing them to live them out. And then ultimately, you know, affairs run rampant and stuff like that. But I'd be curious. I'd I don't be know. Curious. It's interesting. I'd be curious amongst our callers, uh, how our callers are, yeah, I guess future callers, listeners, uh, how many have like had, like how many men have gone on Tinder or whatever dating apps, uh, thought they had found somebody only to found a woman only to realize they were being used for sex. I honestly, (laughs) it's a larger percentage than you would think. 
I mean, I would really like like the, the, the dude just sitting, man, I thought she loved me. She was just using me. Right. Yep. It happens. Good stuff. Um, speaking of listeners or callers, you want to hear another listener line call? Sure do. Uh, this comes in reference to something you spoke about last week. Hey, Dave. Hey, man. Calling uh, with a question listening to the uh, grit from, I believe, the 14th of July. You guys were just talking about that grommet that got uh, pounded on in the lineup, and then Chad commented about when you see something happening that's uh, injustice, you need to step in and react. So I'm sure you guys have seen a lot of this stuff on social media with the folks that are charging into the cosmetic stores and even CVS and just cleaning the shelf, throwing it all in a bag and heading out the front door. What do you do in that situation? You get involved, you sit back, let it happen, you risk your life over $180 worth of stupid merchandise, let me know. Because the way Charles is talking, it sounds like he's going to jump right in and throw down. So just curious. Keep up the work, guys. So in Southern California specifically, maybe elsewhere, there's been this, I don't know, spate, if that's the right word, of um, smash and grab type robberies. And I think Beach Grit, you guys even wrote about one that happened in Manhattan Beach a couple of weeks ago, because Dennis Jarvis of Spider Surfboards had posted it on his Instagram, where a bunch of people smashed a jewelry store, which at least they're getting away with expensive items, I guess. What this caller is referencing is this also has been happening at Sephora, which is like a beauty product store. Um, so they're stealing cheap items that even when you resell them, I mean, they're not, you're not going to be getting a lot of money. So what are your thoughts on this? You see this happening. What do you stand by and film it? Do you get involved? I think it's a real case by case. Like corporations are not people. So especially like a CVS or a Sephora or whatever, I don't care necessarily what's happening to their, to, to the business that day. Uh, but I think you get, if like somebody, if a employee or something is getting hurt or, or, you know, yeah. I don't know, like, I think it, my do something thing is based solely on, you know, people, but then also if it's like a small convenience store or something, and there's some old lady working and some, you know, buddy's trying to stick her up. I mean, if you have the means or if you can, I'm not saying, you know, get killed, but come on, like, try to be a hero every now and then. I agree. Uh, and it also depends, is the robber, do they have a gun? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, if you, if I was in a Sephora and somebody was going in and cleaning the shelves and there was nobody in danger, I mean, but if you can, like, if you're standing, if you can trip them or something, why not? Yeah. Like I sometimes the fly across the store and, you know, try, but if you're around, do something. Um, the most troubling thing whenever I see these news stories is just the erosion of civilization. That's the way I feel about all this. And it seems every week there, if not every day, there's a new story. Because I saw yesterday um, Knott's Berry Farm. Apparently, there's been a bunch of fights breaking out. So Knott's Berry Farm is an amusement park near, you know, it's um, somewhat near Disneyland for those who aren't around here. And they're, because of the fights that have been breaking out this summer, they're implementing a new policy where people under 17 have to have a chaperone that's over 21. So you can't go into the park if you're under 17 without a chaperone. And that chaperone is only allowed to have as many as three people. 
If you have a fourth person in your group, then you need another chaperone to come in. There was also um, a series of robberies at 7-Eleven last week where they robbed four in one go and shot all four of the cashiers, killed two of them. Starbucks came out last week and said that they're going to be closing a number of their stores, not because business is bad, but because they can't protect their employees. Things have gotten so bad in that given neighborhood that they can't afford to, you know, hire security or whatever. And they're going to get sued by their employees. If their employees get shot, whatever the case is, they're just going to close their business. And I'm just looking at it going, God, we either need to get out of Southern California or we need to expect more of our citizens because I want to have nice things. I want to have Starbucks. I want to have a Sephora in our neighborhood and it's not worth it anymore. Sure. I mean, that's, and I suppose that's directly to the point of doing something like when society just stands back, then, you know, I think the, like the lowest common denominator will occur. Like if people step up, then that stuff will stop. Like if there's an actual, if you know, I can run in, if you have like bad instincts already, and no, I can run into a Sephora, clean it out, and nobody's going to do nothing. Why wouldn't you? Because we're civilized human beings. Sure. But but I'm saying like the more people see that happen, nothing happens. It's all fine and good. I'm going to try it, right? Where if people, if there were stories about the people who were trying to rob Sephora getting bonked on the head by purses and knocking out and stuff, then I would imagine like Sephora robberies would go down. Yeah. Well, I agree with you. Do something because the only thing worse than having that mentality that, oh, I can get away with it. So I'm going <clears> to do it. The only thing worse than that is seeing that happening in your backyard and not doing anything about it. You know? And so when you knew you could have, when you knew you could have done something like right. knowing you could have done something and not doing it. And it, well, that something might be uh, physically harming that person if that's the right call for the moment, but it might also be filming that person to give that evidence to the police or get their license plate number, whatever it happens to be. So you're right that each case calls for a separate solution, but not doing anything is not contributing. It's actually contributing to the harm, the erosion of civilization. I mean, pulling somebody out of the way of, you know, if somebody's going in all berserk, like, I mean, or checking and making sure that the women's and children's are accounted for, like whatever, doing something in every case is the right call. Agreed. Um, Moving on, the big story of the week also came with the best headline of the week on Beach Grid. Quote, watch as Kai Lenny, Robin to Mark Zuckerberg's Batman gets monster barrel of his young life at the world's fastest rate. So obviously Malaya turned on in a way that it hasn't for 20 plus years. Um, But I just loved calling Kai Lenny Robin to Mark Zuckerberg's Batman. It's so good. But isn't it? I mean, it's completely true. Like Zuckerberg's the rich one. Zuckerberg could like build his bat suit and his bat car and whatever he wants to do. And Kai Lenny, because wasn't Robin, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't Robin like an acrobat or something in the original comics before he became Robin? (laughs) I think he was something like a circus performer or something, which is kind of, I don't know Robin's backstory, but that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. But man, those, that footage of Malaya was Malaya. How are we supposed to pronounce it? We'll just call it freight trains. Malaya. 
Not a lie. Have you surfed there? No. I have. No I, way. I did. It was a was it good? Uh, no, it was like, I mean, it was fun. It was probably like way, yeah, small, like waist to shoulder. Was it makeable? Uh, the first set, little section was, but then no, it would run off without me. But there was some other dude out there surfing, surfing with me, local, local kind, and he was cool. He like told me where to post up and like sort of gave me the, gave me some pointers. How old were you? Uh, twenty-four. Okay. Yeah. Because <clears throat> I've seen. I mean, I've driven past it to go surf good waves. You know. Yeah. Um, and it was breaking, but it just breaks so fast that it was yeah. like, it's nothing out there is makeable. It's not even worth paddling out. No, no I, I purely surfed it to surf the world's fastest, right? Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Well, my question in regards to this news story is, um, when did you turn the corner wherein you stopped fantasizing about surfing certain spots one day? Oh. Cause when I was young, I'd see Malaya and I'd be like, dude, one day I'm going to get there and I'm going to surf it. But then I watched the footage this week and I go, if I was in Maui and it was doing that, I'd go surf down the beach elsewhere. I would not paddle out there. But when I was young, it was always a goal. Anything that I saw, other than maybe Chopu, anything that I saw, I was like, I'm going to get there one day. I mean, I think part of it is maybe getting older, but part of it is also like an accurate assessment of ability. Like I think when you're, when you're young, like watching what was most what I stared at most, I suppose, of each one of those clips was how quick they had to be on their feet in the right position in order not just to get pitched over the falls and drill, right? Like, I mean, that like the, obviously it's a fast way, but they had to be up and pointed right so quickly that my best pop-up would still be two times, or I mean, 50% too slow. Yeah. Well, with even like pipeline back door, getting in from the back door angle, even if the peak is pitching, back dooring it allows you an entry point. Malaya is just running. It's a freight train running. And so you're taking off along the line at some point. And that's the hardest possible thing to do because it's pitching. I mean, those, yeah, that session out there, though, was sure fun. I mean, talk about separating women from girls, men from boys, whatever you want to say. Uh, Batman from Robin. Batman from Robin. Uh, Those guys, like, I mean, who was out there? The the real standouts were, like, Tom Tom Doslin. Who else was out there? I mean, all the Maui. Billy Billy Kemper, Kemper, Ian Walsh. uh, Yeah, the full Maui. Kai Lenny, obviously. Tori Meister. Yeah. It was, it was something to watch. Eli Hanneman was out. Um, there was no, so, in the clips I saw, I didn't see any Oahu boys or Kauai boys out there. Did they get kept off the island or were they too busy surfing their own giant south-facing shores? I'm sure they had their own spots that they were uh, surfing. I mean, I think everywhere was lit up, not just Maui, but Billy Kemper was in Chopu a couple days prior, <laughs> catching it there. Obviously, California has been going off. so. Um, only the locals who have like salivated over that spot for decades. This is the moment to catch it. But what's crazy to me is how many kooks are out there too. Yeah. Like there's no decorum anymore. You know, I know like kooks dropping in and stuff. No, but just that one clip of Billy running perfectly 
positioning on an epic wave and then running into the bodyboard oh, yeah, that right. just stops him dead in his tracks. And then just beyond that, you see a wave storm going yeah. through as well with a guy, you know, a riderless wave storm because he ducked under. And it's like, who would even paddle a wave storm out there? Yeah. I mean, wasn't that J-O-B and uh, was it? No, that, no. Was, that was something else. Where, I, oh, I that mean, was a kite. Did you see that clip? No. Uh, who else is on team catch surf? It's Kalani. Yeah. Rob right yeah. so job and Kalani rob i think paddled like goofy stuff out to somewhere i can't remember where during that swell and, and got in the way with their goofy stuff okay well i presumed it wasn't them i presumed it was kooks because i figured okay. if it was them then you would see clips of job yeah. getting shacked out there but i mean literally there's one person in the world who could surf malaya on a wave storm and that is job yeah. anybody else get the hell out what are you doing? Like, yeah. you're only going to create havoc. You are not, and that board honestly can't manage in those conditions. So, what are you even doing? I mean, there's there's no way that it was a it was a like mainland Howley, right? Who thought? <laughs> I, it, <laughs> it very well could be. Mainland Howleys are paddling out at pipe nowadays. You know, I mean, that's insane to me. It's insane. Like, yeah, <clears throat> is it is it because there's no pounding anymore? Probably. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a huge part of it. I mean, imagine, imagine being so, cause, cause if you paddle out there, you have to be utterly clueless. You're either utterly clueless or you're so cocky and so cocky is fine. Right? Like if you think you can handle it and if you're that self-assured, have at it. But if you were utterly clueless, if you have no idea that this place, you shouldn't surf this place, that's a problem. Well, I think that it's a blend of both. It's people are so clueless that they think that they're qualified. That clip that came out from the winter where the lifeguard is ridiculing the two <clears throat> overweight kooks, pasty white kooks who are trying to paddle out a pipeline. And the lifeguard is really dressing them down. He's like, you guys get the hell out of here. You're not qualified, you know? And the guys are like confused. How dare you talk to me that way? I paid to come on this vacation. I'm entitled to paddle out, you know? Yeah. And it's like, no, you guys are delusional. You are going to get hurt. You're going to hurt somebody else. And then I, as the lifeguard, have to risk my life to go save all of you now. Public service announcement. Don't serve where you don't belong. Dude, and don't paddle out on a wave storm. Jesus Christ. I mean, I mean that, thing would, that thing would buckle, right? As fast for as- For sure. I mean, there's no way you could keep a wave. I mean, the times I've surfed wave storms, they're like slow and dumb and they feel, they feel super slow. Like it feels like there's no way you can make that thing go fast. Well, and that wave that broke on the wave storm for sure collapsed that thing, buckled it, broke it in half. Um, Jerry Lopez board would have worked out there. Maybe. Yeah. Well, if it was a left. Um, (laughs) So in terms of, in terms of waves that I see nowadays that I've just given up hope that I'll ever surf it good. Um, neos when it's firing when it's smaller like the event that they ran there recently that was sur- totally surfable totally good but when it's firing i'm like dude i used to dream of that wave i've never made it there and now the time has passed when it's uh, pumping i'm just not making that drop you know i was, I was uh watching the in the jobb movie uh the neos footage scared me as much as anything just sitting there over editor's shoulder 
picking the clips was like terrifying. Totally. Recent can footage. Yeah. I'm out. A big, big P pass. I feel like that's the roll in that I could talk myself into. Okay. Big, but big P pass. Okay. I mean, not when it's at its biggest, but if it's like eight feet and I can catch one of those roll-ins and pull in, I'll still go for that. I'm not going to necessarily make it, but I'll at least try. Okay. P pass. That's it's uh, nice to have like a standard that a wave, a notable wave that you still paddle. I mean, J Bay, I'm in G land. I'm in cloud break. Even I'm in at this yeah. point, give me revisit this conversation in a couple of years. Maybe I'm out <laughs> right, right now. It's still on my hit list. Yeah. Um, so going through other news stories, beach trade articles, some gender battles going down this week. Uh, quote, sexist bomb explodes over ESPYs as ESPN, which once famously nominated Bethany Hamilton for best female athlete with disability, only to have her throw back in the sporting giant's face forgets to invite women to award show. Ooh, What's this story? Big story. Yeah, ESPN apparently nominated. Of course, the ESPYs were last night. Uh, and a bunch of the nominated women were not invited to the show. So we're not, but we're the not men nominated for a like category were invited. I think more. I think more women were like not invited. There was more like women's categories not invited than men's. Why? Uh, I don't know. It seems like a real gaffe. Like the, I think probably the ESPN blamed COVID protocols and you know da 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 da. But you'd think that in this day and age you wouldn't like put your foot in it like that. Um why wouldn't you just invite anybody who's nominated for anything? Yeah. I mean, and, or if you, if you can't, if your venue's not big enough to hold all the nominees, then get a bigger venue. They're doing it in right. Los Angeles. You're not like stuck to one place. Like it seems silly and, or just say, you know, only the major, major categories, nominated categories get to attend. Like the rest right. of them, we're going to do it like the Academy Awards where we have another, but even the Academy Awards, they get, like a little sideshow to get their like you know best set whatever the like the stuff that they don't put on the main broadcast they still get a little show yeah oh. um it's but the bethany, that. the bethany story i forgot about that that was the funniest part of that that was in it is yeah it is i was just gonna say that i completely forgot about that story too was she offended at the time yes she was yeah. she was like right. you know she she played it off you know whatever like graciously uh but yes she's like i don't see myself as a person with a disability and how dare you tag me as you know give me best female athlete i'm not the best female with a disability right that is funny um another news story or quote news story <laughs> quote in powerful in powerful spirit of inclusion and norm challenging notoriously caustic surf journalist transitions into biathlete. I did. I went surfing and running on the same day. That is two sports. It is incredible. You should go it for is. the trifecta this week. I mean, I'm thinking about it. I was thinking about riding my bike somewhere and be, being a full-on Ironman. You can and get a, a whole another series of articles out of it if you do. I know. I'm definitely going to. Uh, yeah, the... Uh, the swell was fun. Did you surf? Um, I surfed before the swell and after the swell. 
Okay. But not the actual swell. The swell. I didn't even know really that it was the swell. That it was code red oh. too. Uh, so I just went surfing and then thought, oh, this is bigger than normal. And then went surfing the next day and thought, oh, this is a lot bigger than normal. And then realized that I was surfing, I like Kai Lenny and all the rest was surfing the code red swell. Code red 2.0. Yep. Uh, don't you think they could have branded it a little bit more? Honestly, oh, Surfline, is it Surfline who brands these things? Sometimes, but I don't know who's responsible for this one. I mean, Code Red 2 or 2.0 is absolutely idiotic. So idiotic. Make it, I mean, code calling it Code Red is idiotic anyway. Like, I think we should all know from the get-go that naming swell events is idiotic. And like, that's the baseline, it's idiotic. So name them like funny, enjoyable, idiotic things. Like, you know, whatever, have have a little alliteration or something in there like monster madness or something give me something other than code red well it makes i like when it was just associated with the name of the hurricane yeah like like hurricane marie or maria swell i remember that one specifically you know and we knew where we were we knew where we surfed all that kind of stuff i remember the imagery associated with that um so that makes sense yeah Otherwise, I mean, I guess that's totally true. Naming, naming things randomly. But if you're going to name it randomly, do something funny. Don't lean on the other dumb name from last time, Code Red. You know who's got this all figured out is news media outlets naming serial killers. Oh, yeah. They're really good at it. See? They're Surfline's really good, good at it. Surfline should lean on those people. It is, I mean, think of the Friday Night Killer. Uh... Oh, the Zodiac the, Killer. The Night Stalker. I mean, everyone, it's so true. Everyone, and the uh, serial killer's not naming himself, I don't think, by and large, right? Like, Zodiac no. Killer wasn't signing the Zodiac Killer. He was just using Zodiac symbols. So he's a Zodiac Killer. I think different news publications start writing about it, and they each have their own name. And then one of them just becomes prevailing because it's that much better than the other ones. So there was probably... You know, the San Francisco Chronicle was probably calling him like the symbologist, yeah, <laughs> or something like that. And like people are like, "Oh, it's kind of hard to say. I forget how to spell it." And then somebody wrote Zodiac Killer, and they're like, "Oh my god, that's great!" I like the ones that serial killers whose name is so serial killery by itself that they don't need a name, like John Wayne Gacy. Was it totally. Grace or it's John John Wayne Gacy? Yeah, Gacy. Yeah, that's like the just a straight up serial killer name right in and of itself. You can't name him anything else. He's John Wayne Gacy. There's some uh, theory that they always include the middle name when they become a serial killer. So they have three names. Why? I have no idea. Like Code, Ro- Code Red 2.0? The middle name is the red part? <laughs> I don't think it's I don't think it's entirely true because Ted Bundy they don't include his middle name but when you do when you learn about them there are a ton that where they start including their middle names that is a really yeah well Surfline or whoever I guess Beach Grit Beach Grit needs to start going to there and start naming these swells early thing is this I'm is not, an opportunity it is such an opportunity to name the swells serial killer style yeah very smart this would be good uh, yep. Speaking of uh, business opportunities, you guys had a hugely successful article 
last week uh, because you included the word punch. You were saying that Laird punched Kelly. Well, guess what article dropped this week? Ultra famous DJ Diplo punches world's greatest surfer Kelly Slater in the mouth by turning 11 time world champion signature spring suit into must have fashion accessory of the year. Oh, how did this, did this article do as well for you as the previous punch article? Nope. I was wondering if the loophole had closed. Like I was, usually I don't try to double down because I feel that the algorithm punishes you for that. Yeah. But I thought maybe that story ran so maybe the, it's still open. Maybe the portal's still open, but it was not. It had closed. But also, yeah, Diplo, I think is not the celebrity that Laird is. There's a couple things, but yeah, shut down on that one. That's weird because I read a headline saying that he's ultra famous. He is ultra famous. That's true. <laughs> but I think for these things to work, I think Diplo would have had to have been in the news for something else, which he wasn't gotcha. either. Like Diplo just floating. So yeah, yeah it did not work. It was not a well, good story. Officially clickbait and uh, lesson learned that yeah. the algorithm only picks it up if he's in other news stories as well. So apply that this week. Maybe use kicking instead of punching too. Or yeah, choking gonna, is always I'm good. Gonna, I'm going to half at yeah, kicking, kicking in the teeth is a good one. Punching in the mouth. Oh, that's a great idea. Someone's going to kick someone in the teeth metaphorically this week. Um, arm bars. Yeah. Rever- start incorporating MMA terminology. If there's a big MMA fight coming up. That's, that's a good idea. Going to do it. Okay, cool. Uh, one other clickbait, uh, true grit or clickbait crap. Top Gold Coast Ironman sues surf life saving Australia others after tumble from dangerous piece of playground equipment while swinging between monkey bars all day lost or uh, alley lost grip and fell two meters then immediately felt wrist pain. Yeah, this story really should have done better than it did, but it really made me laugh like story popped up in my newsfeed and I was reading it about this multiple time winning <clears throat> Australian Ironman. Uh, funny, just quick segue. I always thought the Ironman was just the race, the, like the monster one, right? Like the race from, or not like, yeah, the, the Hawaiian one, like yeah. where you ride a hundred miles, swim, whatever, however many miles and then run a marathon. Uh, yeah, but no, Ironman is just a, they've done a good job marketing, I guess. So now you can be an Australian Ironman, but I have no idea what the distances are, right? Like, I don't know how, how, like for the average triathlon, Ironman triathlon, does it have to be the hundred mile biking marathon and uh, however long they swim or do the, do they have like mini ones? Well, you're the biathlete, so you should know. I, I'm gonna, I'll get to the bottom of this, but in the meantime, this guy has won a bunch of them. Uh, and it just made me chuckle that what brought him low was monkey bars. <laughs> like and it's a, it's a story monkey bars it wasn't like he was swinging on you know it was like some american ninja thing but the fact that they were called monkey bars in the right. story just it was so funny that i had to write a whole article about it how long until the term monkey bars gets canceled oh man it's got to be it's got to be i saw a big billboard was just up in la so a big billboard coming back um it was like a cow and a mouse and a something it was a whole side of a building it was like real professionally done cow mouse and some other chicken maybe uh and it said we feel we love 
we have fear oh and so, something else and stop speciesism. Like legit, it was not a joke. So to that, if those giant billboards are getting put up, Monkey Bars is pretty much out. <clears throat> yeah, it's monkey advocates are going to feel. This, this, is, this is an unfair representation of what our monkeys do. They don't swing around from thing to thing. So they sometimes do that, but not that's not all they do. So let's change these to, yeah, swing bars. Exactly. Um, well, the, the funny part about that story to me, or not funny, maybe offensive, is that he's suing over it. Yeah, suing over the monkey bar thing. The, the, a lot of things. I mean, talk about our litigious, you know, times that we live in. Australia, obviously, but like this happened in 2019, I believe it was. So three years ago, uh, he's suing because it's shortening his career. He's won six Ironmans since the injury. Like, so he got injured on monkey bars, or broke his wrist or whatever, uh, has gone on and won six more Ironmen, but it's suing because, you know, his career is coming to a, like, it's going to shorten his career. Where, what in the world? You're winning six. How is it more? How is it shortening your career? He's suing for the additional three that he would have won. He would have made it to nine. That, that, but he's also for, for past and for future, like lost opportunity because he's going to have to hang, hang up his speedos early because his wrist is ouchy. But the, the, other, <laughs> the, the other last thing that I really was thinking about, uh, read the story, was all of the, uh, like playgrounds now, like, you know, there's a big one next to the house here that it was built, I don't know, probably it was seven years ago, eight years ago, maybe. Uh, you know, and it's really like the ground is padded and it's all, you know, it's fun. There's like ropes and, you know, obstacle coursey kind of stuff and whatever. But it's like our childhood playgrounds on asphalt, all metal, uh, all the dangerous things that we had to yeah, play on. I mean, merry, like there's no merry-go-round at this playground, right? I don't know when the last time I saw a legit merry-go-round that went, you could get on and really whip it. And remember how hot the metal used to be? It just used to cook. I mean, yeah, I was thinking, I don't th think we had these in the States much, but in my playground in Papua New Guinea when I was a kid, uh, they had one of those maypoles, right? Where you hold on to the rings and everybody gets running. And you're literally flying uh, out, like you're just holding on for, you're like flying. And of course you gotta let go at some point and you just shoot. Like, I don't know how there wasn't like massive death, <clears throat> massive death happening regularly on that thing. I don't know either. Um, I did see a kid break his wrist pretty bad at the playground. Um, hold on, I got a bird about to fly into my window. Wait, recently? Um, no, when I was a kid. When I was in elementary, it was on the playground at school, elementary school, maybe second or third grade. There was this, um, I don't know if I can even describe it. It's like a teepee of bars that you kind of climb up. You know, it's like each, there's kind of a square structure to each of the bars and then a pole up the middle of the teepee. So you'd essentially climb this lattice of bars on the outside, get to the top, top and then slide down the pole. And the kid slid down the pole 
but had his arm out and oh. somehow hit his arm on the lattice work of TP bars when he was coming down the center pole. So it must've been pretty tall to, to get enough momentum and speed to actually break your wrist on the way down. But it was literally like, yeah, you know, like hanging like at a yeah. 90 degree angle where it shouldn't be almost like he had a wrist where his forearm is. It was horrific. Uh, have you ever done one of those? David's, have you yeah. ever done a break like that? Oh, I got I've never arm. broken a bone period. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. I, I got my arm like a good, a good one like that. On the monkey bars? No, I was, I was on a rope swing. Uh, happened to be in Papua New Guinea too, swinging out over a ditch. Uh, and I guess I slipped and there was a big corrugated metal pipe at the bottom of the ditch. And I landed my arm on that thing. And I just, you know, didn't feel any pain or anything. Just remember that wasn't good. And so I hollered to my dad to come fetch me. Uh, I think I broke my arm. And he lifted me up and I looked at it. It was just like, just a full bend. Yep. And then you felt the pain. I, I think I was just in shock at that point. So, yeah. Brutal. Um, all right. Well, we've got some barrel or Oz, but should we take a little commercial break before we get to them? Let's do it. All right, Chaz. Um, well, we've got a brand new sponsor with us today that not only should we respect and admire for supporting our work, but also for doing good work in the community. You know what this sponsor brings? I've been healthy on the inside, thanks to athleticgreens.com slash surf. I've been neglecting my outside, David Lee Scales. I have not been as careful with the sun as I should be, even though we are the home of skin cancer awareness. We are, it's been years. Um, I looked it up. We started doing those skin cancer PSAs in 2018. So- Years. This has been a long time coming for this partnership. And without further ado, who is our partner? Sunbum. The only, funny enough, the only uh, sunscreen or sun care products, I will say, that I ever use. Anyway, like, I am a, I am a Sunbum fan before this partnership. I know. Well, it's funny. When I told you about this potential partnership, you said, funny, my wife was just telling me to get Sunbum. I said, you know what? Let her know it's coming to your doorstep in the next couple of days. Epic. It was an epic, epic box. I have also used Sunbum for years. I love the face stick period just for surfing because um, it doesn't bleed or migrate into your eyes and that sort of thing. And then I usually use lotion on my hand, on my, the rest of my body because it is spreadable. But I had no idea. Hair care product skin product, like skincare outside of just sun protection. They've got an entire array of products, baby bum products for the kids. I will tell you, you as a new father too, and any parents out there of young children, sun bum is the easiest stuff for kids. It goes on. There's like, doesn't sting the eyes. There is, I've never once, my kid's been sun from birth. And I'll tell you what, never had a sunburn. I know. Well, look, and she's got fair skin too. And so lots of reasons to support Sunbum. They're heavily invested in the surf um, space as well. They obviously sponsor Carissa Moore, Felipe Toledo. They have tons of local athletes as well. So we're thrilled to be partner with them. Thrilled to officially have a partner for our skin cancer awareness campaigns. 
Yes. Thank you, Sunbum. And you need sunscreen, go buy Sunbum. There's nationwide retailers that carry it. Your local surf shop very likely carries it. And then if you want to order online to let them know that you're supporting our work, go to sunbum.com. The promo code is SurfSplendor, all one word, and you will save 15% on your first purchase. So I would say just go order a wide array of products, get this huge collection of hair care, skin care, sunblock, and save the 15%. That's the way to go, sunbum.com. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Chaz, we are back. And uh, I've got a couple of barrel or nas, but one listener line call in reference to last week's barrel or nah. So I'm going to play that for you first. Guys, guys, barrel and all, curtains in a, in a car, it's a total barrel. What about the classic Volkswagen Westphalia? Come on. I mean, I had a 66 Westphalia camper van. Had curtains in it. Used to drive down to San Onofre, park right at the gate on a Friday night at 10 o'clock and sleep in the back of that sucker, wake up at 6 a.m. It was open, charge in, dump, curl. Same thing at Trestle. You just park in the parking lot right there by Carl's Jr. on the street. Morning, charge down the trail, Don Patrol. Come on, guys. It's not just a child molester or a Rolls Rolls Royce. I have a rebuttal to the rebuttal. A Westphalia, I'm going to say, is a RV. We were taught, of course, your RV has curtains, right? I'm going to say Westphalia, because I've seen a bunch of those Westphalias, if I'm not mistaken, that have like kitchen sinks and stuff in them, right? Like sure it is van sized, but it is an RV. It is a recreational vehicle. So wrong listener. If you're you know, a van, yeah, I'm saying Westfall is not a van. It is an RV. I hate it when our listeners are wrong. I would prefer <laughs> to be wrong just so that they can be right. But facts are facts. I mean, you just cannot deny that the Westphalia is a RV. And First of all, sleeping in the parking lot at Sano, sleeping in the parking lot to surf trestles, dude, I'm 
what are you saving 45 minutes? I don't know where this guy lives. He's saving 30 <laughs> minutes, saving 45 minutes in the morning, but he's sleeping in a car. You're hearing the traffic from the five freeway go by. Here's what's happening for me. I'm sleeping in the comfort of my own home, in my own bed, nice linens. I get better sleep. I wake up 30 minutes earlier. Yeah, give, I'll give you that. But by the time I make it to the beach, I'm better rested. And by Here's the time I paddle out, better rested. He was, though, not sleeping in a car. He was sleeping in a recreational vehicle. So maybe he was getting a nice, comfortable sleep. Good point. And maybe he preferred. And he's trying to play it cool. But just for the record, I'm not letting my kids around that guy either. If I see that <laughs> Westphalia with curtains, hiding the kids, hiding the wife, walking the other way. <laughs> he's self-identified. Yeah, it's, it really is true. Sorry. Facts to facts. Um, <laughs> All right, barrel or not nah for today's show. Keeping all of these Father's Day cards because they were lovingly written. And I mean, it, it's my first Father's Day. So there's that that I got to factor in, but they've been sitting here for weeks. We're going on a month now. Do I throw them away? Do I get a box where I keep them as a keepsake? This is a slippery slope, David Lee Scales. And thankfully, as a father who's been on the path slightly longer than you, here's what you do. You keep everything in a box early. Uh, once that box gets too overflowing, then go in retroactively and start pitching stuff. Like, I remember, I think I kept every bit of Hemingway's art when, you know, from like age... I don't know when she first started scribbling, two to three, probably like every piece of it. Went through not that long ago, was cleaning out my drawer and thought, crap, crap, she doesn't know what she's doing here, garbage. Like kept one, one or two pieces as a memory of that time. But otherwise, it's all garbage, man. Do you select which pieces to, is the criteria for which pieces to keep based on the quality of her work? It's quality of work. It's both quality and representational. Like, is okay. it, does this represent a time in her development, right? Okay. So regarding your cards, you can do it now. It'll be harder to do it now, but uh, with a little hindsight, you'll be able to pick one of those out that is meaningful and toss the rest. Because otherwise, I mean, it's a fine line with the kid stuff. I'm just becoming a crazy hoarder. Like, so you have, you have to curate this collection of your child stuff like we're at the end you know there's a chest but that chest i would imagine when you give that to the adult child you know when they have kids or whatever you say hey here's all your stuff that it's like they look through and don't just be like what is this trash right they, every piece means something curious okay so i'm gonna start the box and like you said you're gonna purge eventually do you I can't purge year one. I'm thinking no, no. the purge, I can purge the back catalog stuff. Yes, that's what I'm saying. The back you, of the, okay, the you, newer stuff. You collect it all and then you, with hindsight, you purge. Okay, all right. Because so I mean, look, at, there's a lot of handwriting in here. You know, it's like lovingly thoughtful sentiments included in each of these cards. Uh, photographs cut and pasted in. So I feel bad because of the amount of work, but I feel better now that I have a direction. 
Cause yep. you know, I, what I wasn't going to throw it away immediately, but I'm like down the road, if I'm going to throw it away eventually, then I might as well just throw it away now. But you, you need the hindsight though. You need the hindsight okay. of looking back because again, you were building an art collection that, you know, each piece has to signify in that thing at the end, but you don't know that which one quite, you know, which one of those cards is the one you don't know. Got right it. Now, right. Got it. Same. Okay. All right. Will do. Um, barrel or nah, talking to the person who is cutting your hair. Uh, oh man. So no barrel for me. I don't go like, it's part of the reason that I don't, uh, go get my haircut as often as I should. I love with my haircut person. She's great. Right? Like I don't have to worry about her, but if I'm going to go, if I need a haircut and have to go to a strange salon, nine times out of 10, I just won't do it because I don't want to have to have small talk. I, I got my haircut two days ago. The girl didn't say two words to me. The best. <laughs> I was like, this is the greatest experience of my life. I'm going to come back to this girl every single time. I'm worried that if I do that, then she'll become familiar with me and start making small talk. I might have to find a new place, but gosh, it is the worst when you're getting your haircut and they're talkative and then they stop cutting while they're talking. You know, they're like, you see the, then get on a thought and they start lowering the scissors from your head. You're just like, are you, please go ahead, keep talking, but keep cutting at the same time. I had one, uh, which was even worse than that, not too long ago, or I guess it was a while ago now. Uh, I haven't had, it was so traumatizing. I haven't had my haircut since. Uh, The, it was like that read, whatever, reimagining of a barbershop, right? Like a, the barbershop kind of thing right like man's hair cutting thing but i think they did shaves but it was like yeah tattooy style right you know like hips, yeah. hips, uh so they were all in there riffing with each other uh i had 30 minutes and i thought you know i'm just i get a haircut in 30 minutes no problem i think i even had 45 minutes and i thought that's plenty of time it took like a stinking hour and a half i think because they're all just laughing and gabbing and being like barbershoppy and I was sitting there and he took forever also, like he was crazy, you know, fixated on getting it right. And I was like, oh, it was the worst decision of my entire life. I am still cringing about that. Like I have had similar experiences. They don't realize they're cutting into their own profits. If you just turn people around, you'd be faster. They're focused on the wrong thing. They're focused on all the aesthetic and like the, the experience of it. We don't give a crap. Cut our I, suppose hair that, I suppose that he's hoping or thinking about a good tip. Uh, I tip the same regardless, right? Like, me I mean, it just is what, it, like, what do you tip for a haircut? Well, I try to go to just the most generic cheap place possible. The haircut's $15 and I tip 10. I give them 25 bucks. Right. Yeah. See, perfect. Perfect. Like I'll tip, I mean, where I, my typical, I think is 40. And I'll tip either 10 or 20, depending on what I have. Like, I hate asking for to so somebody to break a 20 for a tip. Always seems right. super late. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, but I'm going to do that. Like, whether you're talking or not, like, I don't want you to talk. I prefer that you don't. But your talking is not going to raise the tip. Silence is golden. Yes. No barrel. Uh, Haircutters are meant to be seen, not heard. Exactly. Ooh, we should make t- <laughs> we really should 
Um, okay, final barrel or not related kind of to the playground conversation. Letting your kids play outside without adults. Mm, barrel. Uh, unless there's a Westphalia around. But this one is let, like, so I've let daughter walk to the park alone uh, a few times. And, you know, with a friend is preferable. But like at some point, you, you got to start building a little bit of, you, you know, you have to be aware and look out for yourself. Like, and I don't know how you can do that if, sure, it's, you know, uncomfortable as the parent. You can wonder, you know, what might happen. But I hope and trust that kid is smart enough and fast enough and strong enough to not get into Westphalia with curtains, to, like, if she sees or senses trouble, to get out of there. Like, you know, I mean, bad things always can happen. But you bubble wrapping your kid ain't the correct response. I know. It's a scary proposition. I'm considering what that age is where you start allowing these little the leash extension. Um, I'm obviously way off of that moment, but I go to the park and I see other kids there at the park without their parents. And then I realize, well, we live in a good community where I'm watching out for those kids now because sure. I am a dad and that kid's dad isn't here, but now this is my responsibility. But I'm like, man, I have a hard time accepting that reality in the future or when he's even older, traveling the world, going places on his own, on an airplane, like all of that is frightening to me at this moment. I mean, when, if young Austin came to you at 16 and said, I've saved up all my money and I want to go to, let's say, yeah, Europe by myself. We'll see how he is as a 16 year old. Cause I do recognize the value in that. And the fact that he has that ambition and that desire, I want to support that but if he's a competent 16 year old then i'd consider it if he seems you know um irresponsible or ill-equipped or unreasonable about what his ability levels are then i'd have to reconsider that if he's i mean you could give him an easy test at 16 would you paddle out at malaya or would you not and if he says on a wave storm he's not going <laughs> All right. Well, we'll we'll revisit this discussion as he ages. Fantastic. All right. Well, hey, thanks, sunbum.com. We didn't even talk about athletic greens, but they're always with us. Athleticgreens.com slash surf. Thank you to them as well. And thank you to our listeners who support our work for five bucks a month. They're entered to win that Pizel Shadow from John. Uh, Pizel Shadow is as would you if you won that Pizel Shadow, would you surf it or wall hang it? I would, I would absolutely surf it. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't like make it my regular board, but I would want to just feel how it goes. Uh, what board would you get that you would wall hang? What's a, what's a board that you would get that you would not surf? Maybe like um, one of those Jerry Lopez lightning bolt pipeliners, just because they're specifically for that style of wave. And it's like, I wouldn't, surf that at Huntington or Newport or anything, you know, you so that would be a little on, on your lightning bolt and look all sick. It, it would just be the wrong board for any conditions that I'd be battling <laughs> out in. So there'd be no reason to surf it, you know? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, there's honestly, I can't think of a board that I would, I would paddle out on one of Duke Hanamoku's planks. It'd be interesting. Yeah. I would ride that just to feel what that was like, I guess. Yeah. 
I, I, I can't think of a board that I would not paddle out, to be honest. Wavestorm. Except for that. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, um, yeah, win that Paisal Shadow. If you get your support in, if you want to win it and you're not supporting currently, you can get your support in before the final minute of July on Pacific Standard Time because we're going to pick the winner on August 1st. Fantastic. Awesome. All right, Chaz. Well, uh, until next week, we'll have Hannah sign us off. Bon voyage.